Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. This is episode 220 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Tim Zamudka. Tim is an SLP at the Grand Traverse Pavilions in Traverse City, Michigan. He received his bachelor's in psychology from the University of Michigan and his master's in communication sciences and disorders from Grand Valley State. Tim is also a member of the MetaSLP Collective. He also serves on the MISHA Healthcare Committee and was recently awarded a Distinguished Early Career Professional Certificate from ASHA. He's a certified LSVT LOUD and MDTP provider and is in the process of becoming board certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders. The Grand Traverse Pavilions is the largest public aging continuum of care provider in Michigan, which includes independent, assisted, and skilled nursing care, as well as adult subacute and outpatient rehab services. The Michigan Health Endowment Fund recently awarded Tim and the Grand Traverse Pavilions the 2021 Community Health Impact Grant, which will establish the first fees program located in the northern Michigan region. Closest known fees provider is over 100 miles away. Tim is well underway developing the Pavilion's Fees program and anticipates launching in March 2022. Tim is a true believer in the Pavilion's mission to provide accessible, trusted, and compassionate care that enhances quality of life for aging adults. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MetaSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old-school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. All right. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. All right. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name's Tim. I graduated, got my master's in communication science and disorders from Grand Valley State University, December 2017. It's in the uh, central part of the Lower Peninsula of Michigan, and I went and got my first job up in 
the northern part of the Lower Peninsula in Michigan in Traverse City. And it was my first experience actually in a skilled nursing facility. All my internships in grad school, they were phenomenal internships, but they were inpatient rehab and then acute care. And I had a, a PACE program, so a program for all-inclusive care for the elderly. But no sniff experience. Went in, I was confident. I thought I was going to be, you know, good to go overall. But when I got there, didn't have another SLP on site. It was very, uh, you know, deer in the headlights type of look. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And I was so used to having instrumentals at my fingertips at uh, my internships and having that guidance. And when I got to skilled nursing facility, I was pretty lost on, you know, what, what the heck's going on. So I've been up here yeah, since winter 2018. Uh, and now I work for the Grand Traverse Pavilions facility, which has as subacute care, skilled nursing, and then we also have assisted living uh, facilities. They're called the cottages, and then an adult outpatient facility as well. I love it. That sounds sort of exactly like the gamut that I worked in many, many years ago. So I, I loved it. Did, did you want to work in SNFs? Was that your desire to? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to work with swallowing. That's was my, I just really loved working with dysphagia and the jobs at the time for acute care and hospitals, that's what I was initially looking for. And hard to come by, obviously, for full-time work. So a uh, position opened up here. And I honestly love working with the geriatric population. It's a perfect fit for me. Yep. Yeah. I, I love my sniffs, man. I love them. Love, love, love them. So, yeah. all right. What, what are we going to talk about today, Tim? What are we going to dive into? So we're going to talk about a fees grant that uh, my facility and I applied for and received from the Michigan Health Endowment Fund. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy year <laughs> in yeah. a good way <laughs> like yeah. as far as the fees goes. So a little bit more about uh, some of the things I was dealing with when I at my prior job when I first got up into Traverse City. I'm dealing with a lot of things that other SLPs deal with, just with long wait times to get instrumentals completed, two to three weeks a lot of the times insurance cutting patients prior to instrumentals being performed and knowing exactly what's going on and then takes a delay for the home health speech therapist to get in just with scheduling, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was just getting really frustrated with just not being able to help the patients and really know exactly what's going on with their swallowing. I kind of had a feeling of imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. uh, to tell you the truth. So, and and like when I would be doing bedsides, I'd be thinking like, how can I just use this to make a decision? I just, just was really stuck. And so I dived into the research and and listening to your podcast too, on my way to to work. And uh, it was really just mind blowing at the time, how just what's out there about the limitations of bedside swallow studies. So for example, I know that some of these stats obviously have been rattled off on your podcast before, but um, just how like less than 50% of the measures don't have uh, adequate intra and inter judge reliability. Less than 40% of variables are for the clinical swallow assessments aren't even evidence-based. Detecting aspiration is, you know, less than 70% accurate. All those things just, I was just like, wow, like I need instrumentals. I need these to tell my patients. Um, so fast forward a little bit, moved to a uh, job to the pavilions, which a uh, phenomenal facility, have a really good support, phenomenal rehab department. And I brought it with my manager last spring, like, hey, is there any way we, we can get some fees in here, mm-hmm. instrumentals, something to to help? Like, like, this is the need that's out there that we have. And and I don't want to just thicken people's liquids upstairs in the 
long-term care without doing these. It's, you know, for the host of reasons that, that we all know. So she ended up approaching our development office and they notified me of a grant that opened up for, it was an aging adults grant. So we uh, applied for it. It was a pretty short notice, just overall, like I it just happened to work out that I brought up the idea, like yeah. right when this grant was found, <laughs> like that they were talking yeah. about this for other projects. So um, from there, I uh, started writing out the initial grant proposal. It took a, a while to do all the research. And I, I did the old-fashioned way. This was before I was a, a Med SOP collective member. Ah! And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm Full disclosure, myself. Tim, we do have a sample proposal in there for you. So. Oh, you do? Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I, I know. I, I know. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So, so like, like I've used some of the material since then for my other prep work, like in the PowerPoint presentations. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, if I would have had this stuff, it would have made my so much easier. <laughs> so, but still in the end, I read probably a lot more articles I needed to, but still great information. I'm glad <laughs> I did it. And so we end up getting turned down for the first grant or not turned down, but our proposal didn't quite meet the qualifications for the first grant. So but we got invited to apply for an invite-only grant opportunity through the Mission Health Endowment Fund. So that was another short t- turnaround time. So had some other stipulations and requirements. So hammered those out with my rehab director, Amy, and got all the quotes and prices and all those estimates together and submitted it. And we were notified in November, uh, mid-November, that we had received the grant for about $38,000, which was, was huge. Yes. yes. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love every minute of this, Tim. This is awesome. Talk to me a little bit more about, you know, who, whose idea was this? Was this your idea? Was this your rehab director's idea? Sort of just, I feel like people get lost in the, there's no hope. There's no way my facility will ever afford this. There's no way my facility will ever pay for this. You know, you hear those things all the time and yes, there's truth. There's, there's budget restraints, but I just love that you know, you, you guys found a solution and, and this is fabulous. And of course it, it took a lot of work, but yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about sort of how this whole, you know, let's go down this grant process. Yeah, no, for sure. So it initially spawned from that initial conversation with my rehab director, Amy. So I just brought up the idea, like, since we do have the outpatient facility too, I proposed it more as we could use this not only for our subacute rehab and long-term care folks, but we can use it for the outpatient office as well. So just so many different opportunities and how the Traverse City area in Northern Michigan, there's no fees provider that's located within a hundred miles of here. The closest that I know is near, I think in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then there's also, I believe only one mobile fees company in the entire state and there in Frankenmuth, which is about two and a half hours away. No fees providers in the Upper Peninsula, to my knowledge. So the need is there. I and, yeah. I, and my boss, and there, I, we've been going through other types of transitions too, and things that I've been working on with the facility, implementing IDSI, doing some other things with uh, just making sure that the communication with nursing and diet recommendations in the kitchen, swallowing strategies, all that can be streamlined for better communication. So and I'm sure that my uh, rehab director, she was getting sick of uh, just always saying, oh, I need instrumentals. I, I don't, I can't say what's yeah. going on without getting that completed. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. so, and w- what I did was I had presented, I put together a little summary of just like some specific, like evidence-based practice related to patient outcomes, patient care. And she was shocked, obviously being a physical therapist, not knowing any right. of this information. So she was one who approached the development office and talked to them and they came across the grant and 
they've the development office and my rehab director teamed up to to get a lot of the, the legwork completed for that, you know, the logistical aspects. And then I handled most of the proposal writing portion of it. So that's basically how it kind of got kind of started. Uh, and yeah, it's, yeah. and the, the really good thing though, I think that when I, after I presented all the evidence for the, the need for the instrumentals and how the limitations of a bedside swallow eval, my manager could see clear as day. Like yeah. this is needed. This is something that if we don't get this grant, she, she was really encouraging. She, she said, well, we'll find another way because, awesome. uh, and, and yeah. the price differences too, like it's, you can approach it from so many different angles. You can approach it from the clinical side where you bring up how uh, the bedside findings, but then the cost of how fees is a quarter of the cost of getting a video fluoroscopy done, the wait time, yeah. you know, two to three weeks, the patient transportation time that's needed to, you know, taking a staff away from the facility with staff shortages right now and having them go with the patient to the hospital. There's the whole just coordination of having someone that maybe is too frail to be able to go to the hospital and take a trip to, and the fear of going to the hospital because of COVID, there's so many different layers to it that I, I don't have affected myself uh, before we applied to this grant. Ever since COVID's hit, I feel like there's been so much resistance from patients out of fear just right, to right, right. go for a video swallow study. So it's, but then to take it from that point, then as I did more research and everything, it's not only the cost from the facility, but the whole community and the municipality costs. It's, it's astounding how, how much dysphagia costs in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is amazing. And so many people, so many, you know, just, there's just a lack of knowledge about it. Administrators and directors and nurses and doctors and they think it's just just go stand by the bed and see if they're coughing and give them some thickened liquids and it's like this is way more complicated than that Um, Mm -hmm. exactly and and with thickened liquids costs like as you know like what what is it between two and seven thousand dollars a year that thickened liquids cost when and i've come across this and i'm guilty of myself early in my career and putting people on thickened liquids and when without instrumental and how they can silently aspirate and it's a higher prevalence of silent aspiration with thickened liquids versus thin liquids. Like there's, there's just so much out there. That's like this, what, what we're doing now is, is outdated in a lot of ways and we, we need to get with the times. Yeah. Awesome. So have you guys gotten the equipment yet? Not yet. Not yet. So, okay. so I, I uh, just ordered it end of December here. So awesome. uh, it should be coming in uh, within the next two weeks, I believe. So we'll get that going and I should finish up the training here. Uh, I'm shooting for March is when I'm shooting to get launched. Good. Were you fees trained before you did the grant proposal or did you budget for your training in, in with that as well? Uh, uh, the training is budgeted with that as well. Awesome. So, yeah. So I, since there's no fees providers located near me, that was a big part of the problem solving that I had to think through whether it be, do I want to try to reach out to some of my old clinical internship supervisors and travel down to Grand Rapids or having people come up here to train me. And for the initial steps, uh, what I did was I flew to North Carolina and did a course with Carolina Speech Pathology for the initial passes. And then I'm working with SEC Medical Speech Pathology, and they will be coming up for the final training to do uh, my advanced passes and to get me all set up and squared away with uh, making sure my policy procedures are good to go, making sure I'm JCO compliant. And then I'm sure there's a ton more (laughs) that's going to come into it too. Yeah. Oh, this is awesome. I love this so much. Mm -hmm. All right. Yes. Where should we go from here, Tim? 
So one thing I think that is cool and kind of going back to the costs, like the municipality costs that I found. So Westmark et al. in 2018, these just astounding. So the annual adjusted healthcare costs, individuals with dysphagia for the, being in the hospital costs over $4,000 more for the elderly. And when you take into account just the overall municipality costs for an, an older person with dysphagia, it's over $7,000 more annually for each of those pers- people. So within Grand Traverse County, the county that I live in, the total population is a little bit over 95,000 people. And out of that total population, 20% of those are 65 years uh, or older. And so if we take just the lowest percentage of individuals that are elderly with dysphagia being 10%, a lot of research says that people 65 and older, 10% with dysphagia. If you take our numbers within the county, that's about 2,000 individuals, 65 plus that have dysphagia. And for the hospital costs, going off Westmark's numbers, that's $8.4 million annually per year in costs for dysphagia. In municipal costs, that's $14.2 million for dysphagia. And if we take the higher end of the estimates of elderly with dysphagia being yeah, 30%, that's about 6,000 individuals in Grand Traverse County per year. And hospital costs then, that's twenty five million dollars in municipal costs that's over 42 million dollars so mm-hmm. a huge huge need and a huge huge amount of money that are being spent yeah because of dysphagia and for dysphagia and within my county of grand traverse county its population is ninety five thousand. about so it, right yeah about just saying one one hundred thousand, and it's a older population so like these numbers that are out there and and yeah. and as i'm like reading this i'm like i'm just shocked like all right we know that some of the stuff we're doing for bedsides aren't up to speed or not, not evidence-based. We need more imaging to be able to know truly what's going on. Yet we still put people on thickened liquids and the cost associated with that. But then if we're, and then, but if we're treating something that may not need to be treated, that's adding to the costs also without getting the instrumental. So yes, the instrumental costs money up front, but in the end, I think that it saves so much money yeah. in the long run. I mean, I don't have yeah, any research yeah. just to back that up, but I mean, putting two and two together with all those numbers, it, I think it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with this paper at all, Tim, so I'm, I'm pumped to dig into it. So thank you for bringing this up. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. It's a Denmark study, but they did the conversions to US and Euros also for the conversions. So awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. What next? Well, one thing that's kind of cool, and it's been. So the past two months have been crazy, <laughs> but again, in a good way. So we got notified mid-November that we got the grant. I immediately, you know, being excited, I went and looked Threw for- a party. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so looked for, jumped online, looked for courses, seeing how to jumpstart and came across the Carolina Speech Pathology course that was December 10th. So I had a really short turnaround and we weren't going to get the funds distributed until after that point. So I was like, ooh, that's, I would really like to go to this course because, yeah, I, otherwise I'd have to wait till April or May. Oh, and yeah, and yeah. so, and, and I'm probably going to be done, set up, and ready to go by April, May now by going in December. <laughs> so, yeah, so exciting. Yep. So I knocked out, I was able to sign up for that class, get take the prerequisite course for it, got back to Traverse City afterwards, had the holidays. And I've been working closely with the development office and then also with SEC Medical Speech Pathology 
And I, while I'm trying to, through making sure I'm crossing my T's, dotting my I's, I had reached out to a state representative here, Representative John Roth. And I was expecting just like a phone meeting, just to touch base with him, let, let him know that we have this grant, that we're going to start this fees program. And then he ended up offering to come in for a meeting December 28th. So I was able to meet with him then. And so all this was just so jam-packed and so much going on. And it was like, I'm excited for the next couple months. And it's yeah. once things get smooth sailing and, that and everything, but it's been a very good learning experience in trying to navigate the whole process with getting fees. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just, I have the chills. I'm hormonal and I want to cry, but I just get so <laughs> excited about this stuff because as someone who has done fees for the majority of my career, you just finally realize how much of an impact this can have and how much this can help and how much this can help the facility and help the families and help the patients. And it's so hard when you're fighting the good fight to really think, oh, is this worth it? Is it worth it? And those of us that do fees are like, it's so worth it, I promise you. So I'm so excited for you, Tim, because the community is going to benefit so much. Obviously, the patients are going to benefit so much. And I'm so glad you have the support of your facility and your government officials as well, because hopefully they realize that this is such a wonderful thing to be able to offer to your community. So Definitely. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm ecstatic. It's something that I have always thought of since I've been up here and it's been my goal being in Traverse City and starting my professional career. Like, all right, I want to improve the care for individuals with dysphagia. I know we can do more. And at the time, I didn't know how to go about it early on. And I just was so frustrated and I would educate, educate, educate. But in the fast paced healthcare environment, especially right now, it's, I mean, I'm guilty of myself. It's hard for people to really, other health professionals to comprehend like what type of benefit and why we need this equipment. So I'm a big proponent and I do this myself just for my own preparation. When I'm bringing up these big uh, projects or big ideas, I just write down a list of the main points of the research and get those hard numbers and research to back you up. Because in the end, that's what people look for. They either look for their the evidence-based practice and or they look at the costs to get the equipment and both benefits are there to, to get fees and to support it. So I think it's a no-brainer if you're able to lay it out to administration, to your manager and to show like, hey, this is something yeah, upfront and may cost a few tens of thousand dollars, $30,000 or so, but it's going to save us money in, yes. in two years time, no problem. That's what I was going to ask is sort of how you did the in-depth analysis just of your facility. So you guys realize that sort of at two years, you'll be at the break-even point. We haven't done a complete analysis as far as when we're going to break yeah. even, but it's, it'll be fast. <laughs> it'll be very fast. So It will be. Yeah. It'll be much faster than, than you predict, I promise. Because it's sort of like it's, like you open up the floodgates, then so many patients are like, well, I've been having trouble too. Well, my neighbor coughs every day or, you know, Johnny down the street's been needing one of these for forever. So yeah. Sort of one of those things. If you build it, they will come, I promise you. So Definitely. Yeah. I mean, just this week in my case, I think we had five or six individuals on sub-EQ rehab and upstairs that we requested videos for. A couple yeah. of them we're not going to be able to see in, because of insurance cutting before they're scheduled out. But yeah, since the word's getting spread around the facility, I'm, I'm seeing this so much more buy-in and, and or more curiosity. That's better. Way. More curiosity yeah. from yeah. the nurses and they're just asking so many more questions and they're seeing the benefit of it. And I've gotten so many referrals too already from them that this person's coughing or they're, they're having difficulty. And, and when I go and show them the videos, uh, swallow studies that, that unfortunately I have access to the hospital's system and someone had a pill stuck in their molecular, like, and could not clear it. And I show them that video and they were just shocked like that that can happen. Like, I didn't even notice that he was having trouble with any type of pills or anything. 
And yeah. I was like, yeah, this, this is why I need videos. This is why I need imaging to be able to see what's going on. And they're like, oh, right. I, I get it. <laughs> so, right, right. yeah. And I can't wait to get the outpatient office up and running more too, to have another resource for people. Because like I said, people have to, if they want the fees or if they need a fees, the closest they have is two hours away, which yep. people aren't going to drive that far, to, especially right. if they're right. elderly. It's highly unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are probably going to have to purchase a second unit at some point soon. Once you, once you get all the referrals coming in from all the local doctors and everything. So yeah, oh, sure. just <laughs> wonderful. This mm-hmm. is wonderful. Yeah. One, one of my favorite parts too, is sort of when you have the nurses in there, sometimes I used to just grab a CNA and say, you know, can you help me feed this patient while I, you know, do this test? And so many times I'm like, what is that? You know, that is so cool. And I think that's one of my most favorite parts is being able to explain exactly what we're seeing and why we need to do this and why it's so important. And then those become your biggest champions too. You know, the CNAs will be like, Oh, we got to get that lady with that camera in here and, and see what's going on. And you know, some of the, some of the CNAs just became some of my most biggest advocates for doing fees. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And we have some great scenes here. I, I anticipate a lot of them will be like that too. <laughs> so I can't wait to be able to show them. Yeah. I mean, I love this. You included this quote in here, Tim, and I just love it so much. If you don't ask, you'll never know, be an educated risk taker. And I think that's, that just embodies this whole process. You know, I think so many times it's tough. We're living in a horrible time right now and it's, and it's easy to just raise the white flag and claim defeat. And, you know, I think I love this. I'm so proud of you for just going forward and doing the grant proposal. You know, you didn't know what was going to happen, but you did it and it happened. And I, and I think so many people sort of shut themselves down and tell themselves no before even attempting to try. So. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. And I let it boil in me and like for a long time. And like, if you show the evidence and if you ask once, and if you don't get an answer you want from say your rehab manager, I would say, try again, <laughs> approach it a different way. If it's in sending an email with the research to back you up and then having a discussion about it so they can really process the information better go that route. If you're, you have a rehab director that's not open to it, approach the administration. If you work, uh, especially if you work a contract rehab company, approaching the facility is administration can help in a different way where I'm not as familiar with how the contracts work with private rehab companies, but I'm sure there's something along the lines or a disconnect where the private rehab companies don't have as much at stake for needing to get the fees to reduce costs. Whereas the facility needs to pay for the thickeners. They need to pay for the transportation. They need to pay for all they're going to have a lot more interest in getting a fees, I feel, than probably a contract rehab company. I've seen it both ways, to be honest. Obviously, the, the facility runs the bill. So it's who of the facility to figure out a way to get fees in the building. The tough part is some facilities just don't have the volume of patients. So for them to have their own equipment, it might take them 10 years to break even on it if they don't have the volume of patients. So then on the flip side, Sometimes if the rehab company services a few different buildings, if the rehab company services like five, six different SNFs, and they are able to provide that service, then it is financially beneficial for both parties because they're able to use it much more frequently than just a facility who doesn't have as many patients as six facilities. But, you know, lucky for you, you guys have so many departments that you'll be able to, you know, you have the SNF, you have the assisted living, you have the outpatient. There's so many different populations that you guys will be able to capture. So no, definitely. Yeah. So no, that, that, no, that makes sense. Though. I'm, I'm glad you shared that with me. I think it's just approaching it with either administration, bring me like, you need to formulate a good plan as far as giving the evidence-based practice, giving the cost saving 
and giving the patient outcomes to first and foremost. And I'm fortunate that the pavilions were all about providing the best care that we can. And, and that was my top selling points. Luckily, that I didn't have to resort to, to just the cost saving aspect. But yeah, with it being clear as day with the evidence, my facility was all on board and they made sure that we could figure out a way to make this happen. So that's great. I know, you know, some facilities that I'd sort of tell people that you've got to figure out what makes your facility tick and some are strictly numbers driven and that's not a terrible thing. We have to be profitable to be able to continue mm-hmm. servicing patients. And some facilities don't want to talk about the numbers. They just want to talk about patient care which is great. But if you come at them with the numbers, they might say, well, we we don't care about the numbers. We just want to know how it's going to help the patients. Or on the flip side, if you go to the facilities that only care about numbers and you just say, well, it helps the patients. It sounds warm and fuzzy, but they just want to know the cost savings involved. So something that I just recommend is figure out what makes your facility tick. You know, what makes your rehab director or your administrator make decisions? You know, what, what's the driver behind that? Figure that out and present those options to them and you'll be heads, heads and tails above where you were. So. No, definitely. Definitely. Completely agree. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Tim? Did we cover everything? Uh, let's, let's see here. So, well, another approach, I guess, another thing that I included in the grant and just in my education and advocacy for instrumentals too, is if going to ASHA and looking at their clinical topics for dysphagia and just their different recommendations, they clearly outline that a comprehensive swallow assessment includes the instrumental and a non-instrumental procedures. And they also say that the verification of aspiration and thorough assessment of impairments in swallowing physiology and anatomy require instrumental assessment. So they lay it out that in order to know what's going on in the pharynx, we need to have these instrumentals. And in most cases, you cannot make appropriate recommendations without them. And granted, of course, there's some people that will be appropriate for instrumentals. That's going to happen. But I think if we can get them done, if the patient's appropriate for them, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, I love it. One, one other thing that you mentioned here in the outline, which I loved is find which fee scope is right for you and contact sales reps for further info. I think what's so interesting is there's a few different fee scopes handles out there. And I know the way I was trained, some of the other scopes, it's like I'm trying to use it with the wrong dominant hand. It just feels so weird to me. And it's not that one scope is better than the other. And in a lot of aspects, they're very much the same. But whatever you feel comfortable with and whatever your body mechanics support is what I tell people. I say, go try them all, you know, see what one you like best. Mm And then I love that you said, you know, lean into the sales reps too. Sometimes people will say, well, they're sales reps. They just want to sell me. Yes, they do. But they're also extremely knowledgeable. And the way that they're going to sell you is by knowing the ins and outs of their product and how it compares to others and how it can benefit your facility. So like you said, use them for the research. You know, don't put the onus completely on you. I guarantee you they're extremely bright, intelligent people. And all the ones that I've come across in our field, I don't think I've met one that's not. So... (laughs) Yeah, no, and I agree. And I mean, that's another thing similar to what I was saying with writing up the grant proposal, like try like doing the old fashioned, yeah. you know, college yeah. research paper um, way. And I like started to do the same with finding speed scopes. I was just scouring the internet, just looking and trying to read and educate myself on every little detail. And by the time I contacted uh, companies and I, once I got to that point, they, they, they gave me all. all the information I needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they'll answer the questions of whether it's policies, yeah. procedures, scope cleaning, setup. Yeah. Use your research, resources. Don't be afraid to reach out to other speech therapists, other professionals. One, it'll save you a lot yeah. of time. Two, you'll find out so much more and be able to 
really get your detailed questions answered. And like you said, with the scopes, getting a feel for the right scopes. Yeah, I'm so glad I went to the training session in, in North Carolina where I was able to get my hands on several different types of scopes. And at that point, I was already working with a company, a scope company to purchase equipment. So I was pretty much already set, but they had my scope there for the uh, training and and that turned out to be the scope that I actually felt most awesome. comfortable with. Awesome, good, <laughs> good, yeah. So it, it was it was a match. match good, good. I, guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what matters most is that you're able to use it during training too, because it's like if you learn on something. And then I went to go do a training course where I was teaching people how to scope. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, I promise I know how to handle this scope. Like, I cannot figure this thing out. It feels so weird to me, and I'm sure I embarrass myself like crazy. But it's it's like riding a bike, and then all of a sudden they give you a new bike, and you have no idea how to ride this bike. And, so, <laughs> yep. Hold yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, I promise I know how to do this. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. That's the first thing that's on my head when you said it was yeah. riding a bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, gosh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I cannot say enough how, yeah, just use your resources and use, use other professionals. There's tons of things out there on Facebook, obviously, and different professional groups, other websites, but another great resource is. Uh, Selena Reese actually uh, pointed this out to me that herself and a bunch of her colleagues with uh, Susan Langmore uh, released an uh, article this past year of um, getting fees program started. I don't have the title of it in front of me, but reading through that, it just, that helps you. It lays it out a lot of it out in there that you can use that as specific evidence for how to approach your policies and procedures and just how, or what am I trying to say? Your approach, um, your your planning, it it helps you plan. So I think that reading that article is a huge step that someone could take to get on track. All right. Any final thoughts, Tim? Did we, we, I think we hit all our points here. Yeah. Um, let me see here. When I was reading through the research and everything like, and this was a, in my intro of my grant proposal, how the Journal of American Medical Directors and Association in 2018 explicitly labeled dysphagia as a geriatric syndrome that needs further research of clinical and policy relevance topics. So if, if you're trying to get physicians on board or trying to work within your interdisciplinary team, there's not only research and evidence within speech therapy, speech pathology journals, but there's research out there that's in other medical professional journals that can help support your argument and help you show that the need is there. And there's more than just figuring out you know, a diet for someone as far as their medical outcomes and how this can improve and, and provide more referrals. In the Carolina Speech Pathology course, one of the articles they had us read, it was about some, I mean, it had a small uh, sample size, but how fees boosted up the referrals for ENT offices. And so if you're having ENT offices that are worried that you doing fees is going to take away from their business, no, it's going to increase their business. <laughs> what was, there was a paper, I don't, I feel like I just had like a weird deja vu dream moment. Maybe I did a podcast on this. And if I did, someone could let me know. But it was something about the amount. What what was this? It was, oh, oh, okay. I remember where it was from now, but I'll have to find the actual article for everybody. But it talked about how by doing fees, so many more lesions were identified that patients didn't even come in and or were complaining about. Like it was sort of like a side, like an afterthought of the actual swallowing condition that there was way more lesions and things that needed an ENT referral than even that the patient came in for. So I was super surprised when I read that article too. I know it was a pretty recent one. Maybe it's yeah, the same yeah. one you're talking mm-hmm. about. But, no, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, so just some more support that just shows like think big picture about patients and think of how not only 
their swallow. Like, yeah, they may complain a little bit about a little, little bit about their swallowing, but there could be so much more that if we just rely on bedsides, we're, we're, we're going to miss. And it's amazing. I, I, I've never been uh, like a huge researcher or, you know, I have ADHD, so it's very hard for me to sit down and read. My wife, she loves to read and she always tries to get me to read. And I just, I just can't sit down to read a book. And so these articles are, are tough, but uh, it, it, they're just so interesting. I, I can just get into it. And when you find this type of evidence that supports it, it just is, it makes it easier going to hyper-focus. <laughs> Yeah. And, and as far as getting the support of ENTs and local doctors and stuff, it, it's going to be a process, to be honest. They are only going on their past experiences. And I promise you, once word gets out, I mean, it might be in like a year or two, but I had just so many doctors. So same thing, just what is this? My patients don't need it. Stupid. You know, I, I had heard it all. But then sort of after a few years, I would start getting referrals from these doctors. They're like, oh, I didn't realize you did this. Or I didn't realize that you helped us in this way. And it's just, it's a lot of, it's just a big misunderstanding and just information that they don't know. And sort of once they see how you work and how you can benefit the patients, then I assure you they'll come around. So, but keep knocking on the door. So. Oh, definitely. And my plan is, is uh, for the next two months is I'm going to be trying to set up meetings with physician offices to to do some in-services, provides just further information, outreach. I really want to meet with the ENT office here in town to go through it with them too and see if they have any suggestions and just show them what I'm trying to do. I'm Another thing I appreciate from the courses I've taken is just more information on what's considered a normal aging swallow and what's considered a impaired aging swallow. And my goal is, isn't to to just do as many fees and just to modify people's diets. And that's the only thing I'm looking for. I'm hoping that I don't have to put people on thick and liquids as much as possible. So I, I completely agree. It's going to be a process, but it's, it's an exciting process. And it's and, and I do expect there to be just referrals flooding in and much more awareness that this is just going to bring to the community. So the one thing I did want to mention, and for the Grand Traverse County stats, I think I right like butchered that with as far as the clarification can i say that part again sure okay all right so within grand traverse county the county that i live in the total population is a little bit over ninety-five thousand people and out of that total population 20 percent of those are 65 years uh, or older and so if we take just the lowest percentage of individuals that are elderly with dysphagia being 10 percent a lot of research says that people 65 and older, 10% with dysphagia. If you take their numbers within the county, that's about 2,000 individuals, 65 plus that have dysphagia. And for the hospital costs, going off Westmark's numbers, that's 8.4 million annually per year in costs for dysphagia. In municipal costs, that's $14.2 million for dysphagia. And if we take the higher end of the estimates of elderly with dysphagia, being yeah, 30%, that's about 6,000 individuals in Grand Traverse County per year. And hospital costs then, that's $25 million. And municipal costs, that's over $42 million. So mm-hmm. a huge, huge need and a huge, huge amount of money that are being spent yeah. because of dysphagia and for dysphagia. Yeah. So, so I said that one much better. <laughs> so. That's okay. Yeah, no, no problem. Other than that, I think that covers it mostly. All right. This was awesome, Tim. Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Thank you so much for pursuing the grant. I mean, this is just, this is awesome. This is just what it's all about. So um, thank you. 
Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. And I'm here to help to other people too. I, like other SLPs, if they have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I, I, I want to help people get awesome. programs started. And I want to make sure that other areas that don't have fees or instrumentals available try to try to get their patients fees and to, to help improve their outcomes too. So yeah. Yeah. awesome. All right. Thank you, Tim. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Special credit to Danny B. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills and to Marissa Hendrickson for managing all the things behind the scenes. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.